Good news. Good news. La buena noticia. Ha llegado. The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Happy Lord's Day, everyone, and welcome to Eyes on the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Aventura, located in the Aventura, Hallandale area of North Miami, Florida. I'm your guest host, Nathan Jones, inviting you to get to know this wonderful church and their senior pastor, Vic Batista, via the website at www.calvaryaventura.com. There you'll learn more information about this family-oriented church and all of its wonderful ministries. Sunday services in Spanish are at 9 a.m. and in English at 11 a.m. And Wednesday service is at 7.30 p.m. You and your children are welcome to the Sunday School, which is open for all ages. Hey, Pastor Vic couldn't be with us today on Eyes on the Word, but he's anxious to be back with us next week to share the greatest message of hope the world will ever know, the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're interested in hearing Pastor Vic on previous Eyes on the Word episodes, download the MP3s of the show's website at www.eyesontheword.com. Again, I'm Nathan Jones, evangelist and web minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries, coming to you all the way from Dallas, Texas. Lamb and Lion Ministries is a Bible prophecy teaching ministry proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ. You can check out our ministry online at www.lamblion.com. Our website has all sorts of great Bible studies, and we've got articles and episodes of our TV show, Christ and Prophecy, that you can watch, and places to discuss God's prophetic word, like on the Christ and Prophecy Journal blog and on Facebook. We even have a newsletter that we can, you can sign up for from the homepage of our website. Every other week we'll email you an update of what's going on in the world as Bible prophecies are being fulfilled this very day. We're living in some very exciting times right now, folks, and I'm anxious to tell you more about it. But before we get into God's world, let's begin in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word, to understand the hope that you give us. Lord, there are tough times out there. This week has just been so bad with volcanoes and earthquakes and disasters and uh, politics and wars possibly, Lord. And we know, though, that you are in control and that you have a good news and a good message. And I pray, you'll pray that you'll bless this time as we study your word. Give us the hope, Lord, that you so promise in your precious name. Amen. You know, part of being the web minister for a Bible prophecy teaching ministry is reading up on the news every day, trying to see where current events are fitting into the overall biblical picture. Now, it's very important that we study the Bible first and then look at the news rather than look at the news and try to force Bible prophecy into it. But there are so many events today fulfilling Bible prophecy. Finding those events is, well, is as easy as catching a raindrop, like in the downpour of a rainstorm. There's just so much going on right now that tells us that Jesus Christ is returning very soon. Here are just a few of the many events that have happened over the last few months that together combine to form a bigger prophetic picture. As I read through the titles and just a little bit of information on the articles, see if you can piece together just what that picture is. Now, I've got this uh, one article right here that says, Iranian leaders pave the way for the Messianic Mahdi. Now, the Mahdi is the Muslim view of the Savior that will come and, and convert the whole world to Islam, and the Iranian government is looking to make that happen. Matter of fact, President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad has some famous quotes, and it goes, anybody who recognizes Israel will burn in the fire of the Islamic nation's fury. He also said the skirmishes in the occupied land are part of a war of destiny, the outcome of hundreds of years of war that will be defined in Palestinian land. As the imam said, Israel must be wiped off the map. Now, I would say that Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, is very serious about his convictions, wouldn't you? 
capable of actions are louder than words. Here's another article. It's titled, Five More Nuke Plants Found in Iran. So they have got now six nuclear reactors going full speed trying to develop a nuclear bomb. This article says Iran has enough uranium to build at least two bombs today. And what does uh, Ahmadinejad in that previous article say? That he wants to wipe Israel off the map with it. Well, let's move south to Gaza. This article titled, Violent Rockets Can Now Reach Tel Aviv. The head of Israel's military intelligence warned that Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip now possess missiles capable of striking Tel Aviv. Now, is Iran threatening just Israel, or are they threatening the whole world? This article reads, Iran threatens oil transport route, and talks about how they want to block the oil coming out of their country. Forty percent of our oil comes from Iran, so if they shut it down, it's going to cause some serious problems here in the States. Most of the oil is shipped to us. Now they've got another article here. The Sudan wins a seat on the U.N. Human Rights Commission. <laughs> That's pretty crazy because the Sudan has terrible human rights violations. There's another article titled Turkey and Ally No More. It's talking about how Turkey, the country of Turkey, in one day just flip-flopped their support of Israel, and now they sided with uh, Russia and Iran against Israel, so they're no longer allies of Israel anymore. The little country of Armenia next to Turkey has joined in, in, uh, Russia in a coalition. Uh, this article is interesting. It says, large quantities of natural gas found off the Haifa coast. This is really interesting. Listen to this. Israel has found the motherload of natural gas deposits. Um, after drilling for five years, they've found three trillion cubic feet of natural gas. And here's a good article here. It's called the Russian-Syrian-Iranian Access. Russia, Iran, and Syria have entered a defense pact that is in the process of altering the balance of power in the entire Middle East. The facts reveal a long, steady Russian commitment to the Iranian nuclear program and arms supply in Syria. Now, Iran and Russia and Turkey have become allies. And the fundamentalist Islam is uniting old Middle Eastern enemies against Israel. Russia is supplying rockets and weapons to those very same nations. The Sudan has become part of the UN group. And Israel has the means of becoming exceedingly wealthy. Now, to the student of Bible prophecy, these events combine form a very familiar scenario. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've read about it before, and I'm sure you've read about it too. And I bet you know where you can find that in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and let's open up the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to start with chapter 38, and if we have time, go to 39. Now, 2,600 years ago, the young prophet Ezekiel relayed God's passionate message, telling us that when these events fully play out, the battle that will occur will end up changing the very face of the world. Nothing will be the same for anyone on the entire planet by the time what Ezekiel calls the Gog-Magog battle is over. What we just read, those news events, is the beginning, the formation of all the players getting in place for a prophecy that was God gave us 2,600 years ago. Well, let's check it out. I've got Ezekiel open, chapter 38, 1 through 6, and I call this section the Great Horde. Let me read that to you. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O Gog, chief priest of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed in a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them, all with shields and helmets, also Gomer with all its troops, and Beth to Garma from the far north with all its troops, and many nations with you. Now, that doesn't sound like modern times, does it? Those are some pretty tough names. I mean, who's Gog? And in all these verses, God is addressing this guy called Gog. Is he a military leader or some personage? Well, we know from Bible interpretation that Gog is not a country, but he's going to be a person who has extreme power. And I also believe that this person is going to be demon-possessed. 
Just like the principalities and powers of this world ruling over different countries behind human governments, the Bible talks about like the Prince of Tyre and the Prince of Sidon. Well, Gog is a spiritual entity. He's a demon, and it's going to be a spiritual warfare behind all wars in this world. There's a spiritual warfare in the background, the Bible tells us. Gog is called the chief prince. Now, this interpretation will depend on your Bible translation, but you may or not see the word Rosh, which can be interpreted either as chief prince or a people group. And historically, the Rosh are the ancient precursors of the Russian people. Rosh denotes that Gog will be a leader who will come from the land of Rus or Rosh, which is Russia. And Gog will be possibly the Russian president or military leader or someone, and he will form a coalition of nations that attack Israel. Now, in verse 3, remember it read, I am against you, O Gog, chief priests of Meshach and Tubal. Now, again, it would have been really helpful if God gave Ezekiel the modern names of the countries, but thankfully, uh, through historians and all, we can track down, and I'll give you a little information about those countries we just read. Now, Israel is a tiny little nation in the Middle East. It's only about the size of New Jersey, if you've ever been to New Jersey. And here this prophecy is telling them that Israel alone is going to have to stand up against the might of the Russian Empire, as well as some other nations. Now, Gog... When he's talking about Gog is the land of the stands, like uh, Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan and all those other really hard-to-pronounce countries. And Ezekiel tells us about Persia, which is the ancient name of Iran, and Kush, which is uh, the ancient name of the Sudan today down in Africa, possibly Ethiopia. Put is Libya and Algeria, and Meshach with Tubal, Gomer, and Betagarma are today Turkey. In fact, the people of the little country of Armenia next to Turkey call themselves Tagarma today. So we know the modern names of those ancient areas we just read. And all of those nations that Gog will lead against will consist of those groups. And Ezekiel says they're all going to go against Israel and create a war bigger than that we've seen since World War II. Now, let's keep on reading here. Uh, Verses 7 through 9, it's a section I'd like to call the Advancing Storm. Get ready, be prepared, you and all the hordes gathered about you, and take command of them. After many days you will be called to arms. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which has long been desolate. They've been brought out of the nations, and now all of them live in safety. You and all your troops and the many nations with you will go up, advancing like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. Now, it's interesting to note that in verse 8, Israel is said to have recovered from a war. Well, which war were they supposedly recovered from? Israel's waged many wars since they became a nation again in 1948, which is fascinating because the Bible said that one day the nation of Israel would reform again, and since 1948, Israel's been a nation again. The prophecy about Israel regathering, the people, the Jewish people regathering from all over the world back to Israel again is happening in our very day and age. And if there's times where you doubt that the Bible's real, Bible prophecy being fulfilled is one of the best proofs that we can have that the Bible is the Word of God and it's the truth and you can believe in it and it gives us hope. Now, we've got thousands of missiles being pointed out from Egypt and Jordan and Syria and Lebanon and Gaza right now. Those are the nations directly surrounding Israel and they're the ones that in the news every day, especially this week, it looks like war is about to erupt. Now, when we talk about this Gog-Magog battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, it would appear that the nations around Israel aren't players in it. So we have another Bible prophecy we have to look at, and that's Psalm 83. We're not going to get into too much, but I'll tell you that Psalm 83 is about Israel having to subjugate their hostile neighboring countries, their enemies surrounding them. So we know that this could possibly happen any day now, as Israel is prepared for war against especially Lebanon and Syria right now, which are moving uh, illegally missiles down to a terrorist group called Hezbollah. Now, 
Israel as a nation exists today just as verse 8 foretold. The people were gathered into Israel. For a hundred years now, the Jews have been brought out of the nations and back to their native land. Now, there's still many Jews spread throughout the world, but but they continue to come back to Israel in great numbers. Verse 8 also tells us the Jews will be brought out of the nations and they'll live in safety. And we're not quite sure what the safety is. Israel now has the fourth largest military army, so maybe they feel safe behind their army, but they're feeling a little safe. Well, again, we're on eyes on the word, and we are going into chapter 38 of Ezekiel, 10 through 13, and this is what God wants to do, an evil scheme I call this section. Let's start with verse 10. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods living at the center of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all her villagers will say to you, Have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold? to take away livestock and goods and to seize much plunder. Now notice Israel's condition. They're living in safety, they have new walls, and they're considered defenseless. And Gog sees this as a motive for the battle. What does Gog want, this verse to say? He wants money. Israel has supposed to become very rich. Now, in the short existence since Israel became a nation again, they have been raided with, of course, like I said, the fourth largest army. They've taken a land that was so barren and abused, and they made it fertile once again, They have the wealth of the Dead Sea minerals, and now they have this huge offshore natural gas find that is making the whole world take focus of Israel as becoming one of the richest countries in the world soon. All that is very enticing to the Middle East, and the Bible says this leader, this Gog, wants to come and plunder them. Now, it lists a few other nations here, Sheba and Dedan, which are the old names of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, and Ezekiel is telling us that Saudi Arabia is going to sit this out. And we know the merchants of Tarshish was considered anything past the rock of Gibraltar in Spain. Now, Spain was considered in Ezekiel's time as far as the world reached. And actual archaeological evidence shows that the Middle East traded with Great Britain. So we're talking about, uh, depending on your interpretation, her villages or young lions, that Great Britain, the United States, Australia, Canada, are also just going to sit out this and watch too. Now, we got all the players in place. Let's look at Ezekiel 38, 14 through 16, called Attack from the North. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And that day, when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? Will you come from your place in the far north, you and the many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army? You advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, O Gog, I will bring you against my land, so that nations may know me when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. Now, if you go the farthest north, directly north of Israel, the, it's the city farthest north is Moscow. And again, we are talking about this horde being led from Russia. Now, some will say that the far north could be Turkey, and that's true, but if you look on the map, Moscow is the farthest north. And here in verse 16, in another verse, God reiterates over and over again that he is going to show himself holy through this invasion. God always takes what man means for evil and turns to good. Evil things happen in your life. If you're being persecuted in your life because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you know that God can turn that around and use that to bring people to Christ and grow you in him. And it's just going to be the same for the nation of Israel. Verse 17, called the invasion foretold. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Are you not the one I spoke of in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel? 
At that time they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. Now, in verse 17, it appears that God just, he's just angry at Gog, and he pushes past Ezekiel, and he just gets in his face, and, and he's like talking directly to him, eye to eye, toe to toe. And God denounces Gog before Ezekiel. And he says that prophets of old, he's jumping to the modern time period, saying, look, look at Ezekiel's writing, look at Joel's writing. I told you then I was going to come against you, and I'm going to. Now, when these armies get together and they march against Israel, what are they going to do to them? How is God going to use this invasion? Let's read on, verses 18 through 22, the sword of God. This is what will happen in that day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground, and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble, and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones and burning sulfur on him, and on his troops and on the many nations with him. That's, that's a scary scene. God's hot anger, his zeal, his fiery wrath unleashes the very elements against the Gog-Magog coalition of armies. Now, God not only plans on just destroying the armies, but he's going to embarrass them by having the various factions turn on each other. Turkey's going to turn against Iran, and Iran's going to turn against Russia, and Libya against Sudan, and they're going to try to destroy each other. They're, God just sends them in total disarray, and whoever's left, God cracks the land out from underneath their feet, and will swallow them with one of the largest earthquakes ever seen. Now, we've been in the news lately, and you've seen there's been earthquakes all over the world. Well, this is a future earthquake that will come that will affect the land of Israel and belt felt throughout the world, and it will be so powerful that it will actually flatten the mountains in Israel. God will also pummel the armies from above with torrents of rain and hail and sulfur falling out of the sky. Now, maybe this is falling debris as a result of the earthquake producing a volcano like they're experiencing up there in Iceland right now, but less likely, possible Israel releases some nuclear weapons. We don't know for sure, but whatever the fallout in the end, there can be only one conclusion about how God's armies are destroyed torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur, which is a very biblical picture. The wrath of God, the Old Testament judgments, is released in this modern age. Now, today we don't think God operates that anymore, but he promises that he will again, and he's going to throw the world in confusion. And what's he going to do with this? Verse 23, God revealed, And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Now, the whole planet is going to suffer this terrible earthquake, and the whole world will witness the Gog-Magog battle, and see the destruction of Gog. And because of the supernatural elements used to destroy this massive international force, God's going to use this victory to show the entire world that Jehovah God exists. Everyone will know in no uncertain terms that God is real and he defends the tiny nation of Israel. There will not be really a single atheist left. Everyone will know that God, he's back on the scene. He's ready with us. Now what's going to be the fallout of this? We can get into the fallout of what's going to happen, chapter 39. Now, between chapter 38 and 39 is the longest description of any future battle given to us. It's even more than the Battle of Armageddon, which is not this battle. It's the Battle of Armageddon is a different battle at the end of what's called the seven-year tribulation. This is going to happen before that. Uh, let's start with chapter 39, 1 through 6. I call it raining fire. 
Son of Man, prophesy against Gog and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and drag you along. I will bring you from the far north and send you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. And on the mountains of Israel you will fall, you and all your troops and the nations with you. I will give you as food to all kinds of carrion birds and to the wild animals. You will fall in the open field. For I have spoken, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will send fire on Magog and those who live in safety in the coastlands, and they will know that I am the Lord. Now chapters 38 and 39 combined are very unique in that they give us such detail of what's going to happen. God, again, he reiterates, he says again, I'm going to drag Gog and his armies down to invade Israel. And when God says he's going to drag you along, it's a reference back to what the ancient Assyrians did to Israel. Now, the ancient Assyria, which is uh, part of uh, Iraq today, they used to humiliate the people. They conquer them. They put hooks in their mouths or between the skin and their shoulder blades. Awful. And then the, the people who were hooked would pull the chariots of the Assyrians back to their homeland in humiliation. And God's saying here he's going to do the same thing. He's going to humiliate Gog Magog for wanting to attack Israel and destroy them. Now, the Gog Magog army comes down with an incredible amount of weapons. But even though they come bearing lots of weapons, these weapons are going to become useless. Before they even pull a bow string or a turret can be aimed at Israel, God says he's going to knock the weapons from their hands in verse 3. In verse 4 and 5, God kills the invading armies and he leaves their bodies lying in the fields to be eaten by carrion birds and wild animals. And their soldiers are going to receive no honorable burial and they're going to have their bones picked. It's... It's, again, a gruesome picture, but we're talking about people who want to destroy Israel and think that God is not in control, and God is coming back, and he's saying he is. And he's going to, and this is really interesting, verse 6, he's going to send fire on Magog and on those who live in safety in the coastlands. And so not only does God decimate this international army when it reaches Israel, but he's going to go back, and he's going to decimate their home countries as well. He's going to blow up Russia and Iran and Turkey and all those nations involved. It even alludes to the aftermath of God's victory that one-sixth of the invaders, if you read in Joel 2.20, only one-sixth of the invaders will be left and will be driven up into Siberia. He's going to destroy this invading army that thoroughly. That's amazing to read. Let's read verse 7 through 8 that the nations know this is why God is doing this. I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will no longer let my name be profaned, and the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One in Israel. It is coming, it will surely take place, declares the Sovereign Lord. This is the day I have spoken. So God's entire purpose for causing the Gog-Magog battle is summed up in this key textual passage. Three things God's going to get out of this. Israel will leave its secular humanism, and they're going to return to the God of their father, though they don't return to Jesus yet. Number two, God will no longer tolerate his name being misused, as the third commandment instructs. And three, the world will know that God protects Israel. The end result of God defeating Israel's enemies is so that he will be glorified and honored and praised. And in all, we should praise and glorify God. Well, as we read on through Ezekiel 39, it's going to talk about how Israel is going to have to clean up this mess. We're talking almost a billion invaders, if you calculate it, dead across the land. And Israel is going to take seven months to have to bury these people. They're going to take a whole valley to bury them, called the Valley of Ham and Gog. They're going to have to set up a city called Hamona to operate the cleanup process. And it's going to be change the face of the world. The entire world will know. This is God reintroducing himself. Now, we know this is coming soon. The Bible gives a number of time indicators. Uh, what they're called general timing clues. 
Ezekiel uses the terms latter years and last days, which denote the time period God set aside for bringing Israel back into faith and belief in him. Uh, the timing clue is that we know that uh, this battle never happened in history. There has never been an allegiance of those nations working together against Israel. There's never been a valley called Haman Gog. There's never been a Homona. So we do know that this is a future event. A third general timing clue has given us that the Jews will be gathered from all the countries of the world, Ezekiel 36, 24, back to Israel. And that's uh, Pastor, we got about one minute to go. Thank you, sir. One minute left. We also know that there's clues developed that uh, the coalition hasn't happened. And finally, uh, Israel is living at peace. So we know this event's coming up, and it's an amazing thing. And let me quick pray and thank the Lord for giving us this prophecy. Lord, thank you so much for blessing us with the foreknowledge. You always tell us what you're going to do ahead of time. And Lord, you're going to do some amazing things through this, and we can see it unravel before us today. We know, Lord, you're taking care of us and that you love us and you'll protect us and may your will be done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Good news. Good news. La buena noticia. La llegada. The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him 